Thank you so much. I'm not sure that we could have had a better song on a day like today, this concept of this family prayer song. Uh, sometimes we sing those words and we, we miss what's coming out of our mouths, what we are declaring to the people around us and what we are declaring uh, to God. That through our family, through the dedication that we offer to one another, that we serve him in all things. Uh, that was an example of that that we had this morning, of having a child that is taken into that family of God, as each of us are adopted by him. That's what we receive in that time of blessing, this, this adoption that is there. Uh, this is a special one for me today. I was able to do uh, the wedding ceremony, uh, both for Jennifer and Victor, and also for uh, their sister and sister-in-law. And also, uh, maybe just a fun fact for today, our elder that's sitting here, uh, Mr. Mark Bai, he taught me Sunday school when I was a young boy in California. So today, if you like the message, give me the credit, but if you don't like it, it's his fault. <laughs> but today we have this concept of this family togetherness. We hear it in, in all of our readings, and family is a, a beautiful thing for us to be able to celebrate at, at all times of life. I'd seen a story of a man named uh, George who was going on vacation with his family, his extended family even, and they decided that they were going to visit uh, the Holy Land. They went to the Holy Land, and unfortunately, while they were there, uh, they had a tragedy that struck. Uh, George's mother-in-law became uh, ill very suddenly and passed away. He had to figure out the funeral arrangements of what he was going to do, and it was very difficult, especially being in another country. He had gone to the American consulate and tried to make arrangements there, and he found out from the individual in charge there that just to get his mother-in-law's body on a plane back to the United States was going to be about $10,000. The consulate was very accommodating and said that they did make funeral arrangements there in the Holy Land, and that if he so wished, they could perform the funeral there and would do so for only $500, a dramatic cost in price. And they asked him what he wanted to do, and without much thinking, uh, George said, well, I think I want to fly her back to the United States. And they said, well, I, I don't know if you heard us, it's going to cost $10,000 just to get your mother-in-law's body upon that uh, plane. You must have uh, loved her very, very much. And George responded and telling the man, you know, there's a case I know of a man many, many years ago person that was buried here in Jerusalem, but on the third day came back to life, and I just cannot take that chance. <laughs> Mother-in-laws get a bad rap, don't they? Victor, be nice to your mother-in-law. She is a nice lady. Mother-in-laws get a, a very bad rap at times. They, they do, and for no reason whatsoever. But today, did you hear in our text, we have the story of a mother-in-law and her daughter's-in-law. In fact, all of the texts that we have today are about these family relationships that we have. The ones that Chris uh, read for us, even following that, uh, the epistle for the day. We have this concept of Paul talking to us about the relationship of parents and children in between husband and wife. And we also hear about that final one in our gospel of Jesus uh, and his mother Mary and this warm relationship that they have together. It's amazing when we look at all these different texts to see what relationships mean. And on this road trip of life, what does that do to us? How do we affect people around us through our family and our family serving others around us? 
This is a great tool that the Lord has given to us as the body of Christ to be able to function together. Today I would like to focus on uh, the text from our Old Testament passage. We don't always hit the Old Testament passages from the book of Ruth. Uh, I'm not sure if you've ever looked at the book of Ruth before. A rather short book. Uh, It actually only has uh, four chapters and 85 verses. It's one of two books within the Old Testament uh, that have a female name attached to it, the other being Esther. Both books being very, very uh, unique and very different. Uh, The book of Ruth talks about uh, basically this poor peasant girl and talks about this time of famine that we'll get back to in just a minute. The book of Esther talks about someone who is a literal queen, and it opens up with this great feast and this party that's going on there. So different, yet so many similarities at the same time. And so as we continue on this trip of Ruth, that concept of this famine that is occurring, uh, capture yourself within this story. That's what God calls us into when we hear his word, to be able to see ourselves within those pages. That is our story in there too. And so today this famine that is there has caused this family of Naomi to migrate to a place called Moab, where Ruth is actually living. Ruth ends up marrying uh, one of Naomi's sons, and this is how they become obviously a mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. But unfortunately, that's where the tragedy uh, gets even worse. Uh, Ruth's father-in-law, her own husband, and her brother-in-law all die. And because of this, Naomi, her mother-in-law, decides she's going to leave, that she's going to go somewhere else. Uh, I want to read, again, just a small piece, a smaller piece of our reading for today. Uh, I don't know about you, sometimes when I'm listening or reading along, if it's a little too long, uh, I get lost in some of the details, and I want to make sure we're capturing these for ourselves today. So let's look again at the book of Ruth, chapter 1, uh, beginning at verse 11. We're going to look at 11 through 15. It says, But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Uh, maybe just a note there really quick. That would be very traditional that uh, the family unit would stay together. That you would try to marry uh, other uh, brothers, maybe if your uh, husband had passed away, that he would then uh, take care of you. Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and to her gods. Go back with her. You can hear the hurt in Naomi's voice as she's saying these words. The tragedy that has struck her has made her her bitter. She's angry. She's resentful. And not even just with people around her. You hear it there, she calls out, The Lord has turned his hand against me. That God is even against her. Ruth is facing this crucial moment 
in life. Uh, her sister-in-law, whose husband is also Pastor Orpa, uh, she gives up. She returns to her family. And again, hear those words that Naomi says. Go return to your gods, too. Our God's not doing anything good for us. Go try something else. Go back to those other gods. And this temptation must be so heavy upon the heart of Ruth. Uh, I believe that most of us here have probably experienced this in, in some way. You've been there at a moment before. Some type of tragedy has come into your life. Maybe like the case of Ruth, maybe it was a, a death or even several deaths. Maybe it was a, a divorce. Maybe it was a spouse that was struggling with uh, a medical issue. Maybe it was a grandparent that had cancer. Maybe it was a disaster that struck your family. Maybe you were just depressed, really down, felt unappreciated during a certain point. This is the case where Naomi is at, all the way to the point of being so depressed that she thinks the Lord has turned his hand against her. Have you ever felt like that before? God, why am I going through this? God, do I really uh, deserve this? You hit that situation where it's so easy to blame somebody else, maybe just to feel down upon your own situation, or maybe even to blame God in the end, as we see Naomi do. Maybe others are even encouraging you to do that. Look at Naomi's words to Ruth. Just go. Just leave me. Go back to those other gods. Our God isn't doing anything good. So far, he's brought us uh, famine, he's brought us poverty, and now he's brought us the series of these deaths of these men in our life. And it's in situations like that that we have to turn not to old gods, but to turn to the one and only true God. It's a major hurdle uh, for us to be able to overcome. It's a, it's a daily battle that we fight. That's why Martin Luther tells us that we are to daily, no matter what age we grow to become, uh, remember our baptism. Daily remember what God has done for you, that he makes us clean over and over and over again. Paul tells about that in our letter to the Ephesians that we read today. In fact, just before the uh, piece of the Ephesians that we looked at today, in chapter 4, uh, he uses this piece of imagery that I think all of us can relate to. Uh, review this reading with me from today from Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 21. Paul says, When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Let's not pretend like uh, the problem of sin doesn't exist in our life, uh, Paul says. All of us have this former behavior. We have this inappropriate lifestyle of sin that is in our past and unfortunately that we struggle with in our present. Yet because we have heard this great news in Christ, we are called by God to have this new life, one that casts off everything that corrupts everything that deceives us in life, all because we have a Savior and a friend in Jesus who gives us that love and forgiveness that only he can provide. After all, I assume that most of us, uh, when we came here today, 
put on clean clothes, right? Most of us, most of us. Uh, nobody went to their hamper this morning and looked for socks from Wednesday. Nobody went out to the garage and tried to find a pair of trousers. You planted a cactus garden in a month ago and put those on to come here today? Again, I assume most of us. But today, why would you not do that? We would not wear dirty clothes. Nobody likes wearing dirty clothing. We put on clean clothing. It makes us uh, presentable in front of others, in front of God. It makes us feel better. It makes us have this new life and spring in our step. And so we hear the exact same thing today from Paul as he tells us, look what the Lord has given to you. Look how he has cleansed you through the waters of baptism. Why would you put on that old former way of life? Why would you dig through the hamper that is sitting there filled with sin to try to put those old things on when we have such a better gift that God has already granted to us through his one and his only son? After all, none of that stuff benefits us in any way. It's Jesus who again cleanses us and he changes us. He pulls us together as that family, that body of Christ. Back to our story of Ruth. She's in this uh, quagmire of which direction to be able to go. My sister-in-law has accepted to go back to her old way of life. Several people in my family are dead. I have a bitter mother-in-law that's telling me to leave. What should I do at this point? Look at Ruth's response. Again, let's review these two verses from Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. This dedication that you hear in this response of Ruth today and the dedication she has still to this only member of her family that is left uh, changes our lives uh, forever. Because of Ruth's story and this testimony that we hear from so many years ago, the history of the world changes. Ruth goes on to the country of Israel And she lives a very faithful life. Read the book this week. Again, it's a short read. You can knock it out so fast. Read what she does. This faithful life in service to God. She meets this uh, godly man named Boaz that takes great care of her. And she's married to him. Pretty soon that they are blessed with a son. They have a grandson. They have a a great-grandson. Maybe you've heard of their great-grandson. We call him King David. And in a short time later, we see a lineage that births a family member you and I know as Jesus. Through this family of Ruth, you and I are brought into this story of the family of Christ. Savior who was punished for us ever so severely, even to the point of death. Also that you and I may have life. A Savior who in his dying words today in our gospel lesson affirms the strength and the unity that we have in family, that we are to behold 
one another, to take on the responsibilities when somebody around us is hurting, uh, be that somebody that is our flesh and blood or somebody that is just in that body of Christ or somebody who has yet to become a part of that body of Christ, that we gather with them even in the shadow of the cross to be embraced and to know the love of our Savior. So we too know the story of a man who many, many years ago was put to death, a man who was buried in Jerusalem and a man who on the third day uh, came back to life. This same Jesus calls you here today to hear this good news. Where you go, our God promises to go. Where you stay, our God promises to stay. And because Jesus lives, you too shall live. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for these words uh, and for the dedication that you have given to your people for so many years. Uh, Lord, we know that when tragedy comes in our lives, that it is uh, difficult for us sometimes to focus on you and easy to focus on the problems that await us. But Lord, through your spirit, we ask that you will change our hearts, that you will allow us to focus our eyes on you as we begin today, the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord, allow us to see you in all things, to know your love, and to not keep that inside, but to share it with all those we come in contact with through your mission, uh, through your dedication, and through our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Is John Grass here with us this morning? There you are, John. Sorry, I'm making John go all over this morning from campus to campus because I have uh, something exciting uh, that he's going to help me share this morning. Uh, trade you, that's a deal. Uh, John serves here uh, as the volunteer who leads up our uh, mission teams going to Guatemala. Uh, we have a trip coming up in October. He's going to tell you a little bit about that in just a moment. Uh, we've had this trip planned for like 18 months. Uh, as you know, uh, just recently, we had the devastation that happened in Guatemala, uh, the volcano uh, that erupted. Uh, you could imagine how difficult that would be in a setting like ours, when we have so much to be able to fall back on. Uh, but for the people in Guatemala, uh, most of them have very little or nothing. Uh, the house where our team stays at and the mission organization that we support uh, is only a mere 35 miles from where the volcano is located at. Uh, we're trying to assist them in being able to go out and uh, serve the people. And so John's going to share just a little bit about what's going on at that mission house right now and what we need uh, looking forward for our supporting trip here. same four different sites and they minister to people 
for over five hours. And so weekly, the people get to know Broward, Guatemala, and Broward, Guatemala gets to know the needs of the people. And so the money that will be given to them uh, will help to serve the people there. And rest assured that it will be used uh, very much by the people. I don't doubt it. And so uh, this morning, just over the past about two weeks now, uh, we've asked any of our members here that felt called to do so to uh, donate above and beyond their normal offerings, specifically to uh, Guatemala to assist them. Uh, actually, I know there's a little bit more money that's already come in, so we're going to have to add to this. Uh, but this morning, uh, your congregation, John, is going to give you a check for uh, $6,944 to be able to help the people out there. So thank that's you very much. And what a blessing it'll be. Of course. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, too. You are the ones that have done all this for us. So thank you.